the blast from our past network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Throwback Trivia Takedown. Adam and John Spees. Welcome to Throwback Trivia Takedown, a no-holds-bar trivia match between two contenders fighting for nostalgic glory. I'm your host, John Spees. I'm your co-host, Adam Spees. And today we have two contenders here to compete in our quizzical competition. In one corner, she's cute, tiny, and always vivacious. She's lovable, huggable, and downright snuggable. It's the adorable Asha Yusuf. Asha, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Hey, thank you for having me again. I'm excited to be here. Remind the folks at home a little bit about you, please. All right. My name is Asha. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am a fifth grade math and science teacher. Nice. Uh, my hat's off to you because right now <laughs> in the school I'm teaching, my worst class is the fifth grade. Oh, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> this class has got quite the reputation, but individually, I love them all. As a group, they're a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that that's that's about accurate. In the other corner, are they the love child of Rowan Atkinson and Burt Ward? A more dynamic trivial player there may have never been. All I know is that they've forgotten more about horses than I'll ever know. It's the refined Rowan Ward. Rowan, welcome back to the show. Thank you. This is the first time I think I've ever been accused of being refined. <laughs> Remind the folks at home a little bit about you. My name is Rowan Ward. I live in Chicago, Illinois, and unsurprisingly, given what John said in my intro, I know a little bit about horse racing because that's my job. I write about horses running around in circles. Um, spoiler alert, they're all very cute and very good. Very good horses. They are all very good horses. Like, there's, there's no horse who's not a very good horsey. All right, folks, let's learn how to play the game. Entering the ring are two contestants who will engage in three rounds of head-to-head trivia. Here are the rules. Round one consists of 10 questions in different pop culture categories focused on a decade that will be randomized. If you answer incorrectly, your opponent has the chance to steal. And the categories are movies, music, television, toys and games, sports, fashion, slang, news and politics, literature and food. Round two consists of the same 10 categories, but this time your opponent gets to pick your category. Each correct answer gives you 10 points. In the final round, you may bid up to as many points as you've earned before answering the final two questions. The categories for the final questions will be picked by the contestants, but the decade will again be randomized from those remaining. You must get both answers correct to earn your wager. Now it's time for a takedown. All right, before we get started, I, of course, want to know Asha and Rowan just a little bit better. And uh, I got a little bit of sweet tooth. And I got to say, probably my favorite uh, my favorite candy is probably M&M's. Uh, in fact, you might say I might have a body by m M&M. and I'm kind of shaped like an M&M. Mm-hmm. Same, same. So I want to know, what is your favorite flavor or variety of M&M? Oh my goodness, your timing on this is impeccable because just a couple of days ago, Rhett and Link on Good Mythical Morning did a taste test of mm-hmm. every single kind of M&M that exists. And in that taste test, I think they got it right. The ultimate winner was peanut butter M&Ms and wow. peanut butter M&Ms are the best kind of M&M. Like chocolate's more classic, but for whatever reason, just those, 
you know, balls of candy coated peanut butter that explode in your mouth with peanut buttery goodness. Give me all the life in the world. So peanut butter for me. I, I want to throw out that I am a little salty because I watched Good Mythical Morning as well. And I know that they're candles, the, 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 um, the variety is, but like they should have gotten a bag of crispy for this because I think crispy had to have been represented, which they were not. All right. Um, I am a traditional, so I'm going to say peanut M&Ms. They are my favorite. Okay. Peanut versus peanut butter. I mean, I, I, I will go on record as saying there's no bad M&M. I I think they're all they're all definitely eatable. Um I definitely have my preferences. Um my daughter's favorite, oddly enough, my daughter named Rowan, her favorite is also peanut butter M&M. <laughs> I think my wife's is mint. Oh really? The mint M&M. Yeah. Uh she I mean she likes anything mint, so like York peppermint patties are like her favorite and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um the the correct answer would have just been simple plain chocolate. I'm just I'm a sucker for just the plain chocolate boring. one. Boring. Um, no, 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 those no, are those are boring. my second they're, favorite. They're very, they're very good. Yeah, but... they're very good. Um, <laughs> and I don't I don't mind I don't mind peanut M Ms at all. Sometimes I get a hankering for them, but in the grand scheme of things, I, I kind of got to go with my daughter. So in this <laughs> case, Rowan's got to Rowan gets to go first in round one. People named Rowan and their peanut butter M Ms. I know. If I was saying Asha, you would have totally taken it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I'd rather go. But you're not. I'd rather go first and second round. Sure. Uh, All right, Rowan. What category do you want to start this game off in? I will start with slang. All right. Wow. We never, almost never, start with slang. I'm excited to see that. And it's the 2000s. And we have a question from David Abalafia. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. In 2001, what two-word phrase became the common name for the former site of the World Trade Center? I It's kind of a news and politics question dressed as a slang question, but I think this is ground zero. Ground zero is correct. And over to Asha, what category would you like? Um, I will do TV, please. Okay. All right. TV. And it's also the 2000s. And this one's also brought to you by David Avalavia. <laughs> Sensing a theme. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. David sent us a whole bunch of questions, so a lot yeah. of them get put in. Which we appreciated. Thank you That's so much, David. That's very kind. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Also, I only get the extra questions that Adam chooses to send. Yeah, I opt in. As opposed to which ones he keeps for himself. <laughs> the ones I'm kind enough because I run the email. Uh, and so, yes. <laughs> for one episode in May 2008, the writers of CSI swapped assignments with the writers of what winning sitcom winning sitcom hmm. oh my goodness i have no idea um um oh two and a half men two and a half men is correct winning uh, <laughs> winning yeah yeah, you drank a little tiger's blood on that one, and you really got you eventually got the right answer. <laughs> yep, breakfast of champions. <laughs> All right, back over to Rowan. I will go for toys and games. Just a toys little bit of games. toys and yeah. games. Yeah, 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 toys and games. This time, it's the 50s. Because this board game from 1958 by Milton Bradley was based on the television show Alfred Hitchcock Presents. The four game piece characters are each humorous allusions to detectives of popular media fiction, such as Sergeant Monday, Dick Crazy, 
Charlie Clam, and Shylock Bones. Oh, this is this is interesting because I know a game it's not. I've never played a lot of mystery solving board games. So I don't actually know if it's this old, but because it's the only one I can think of that isn't the one I can definitively rule out, I'm going to guess Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard is incorrect. Asha, can you steal? Um, would you please read the question to me one more time? Mm-hmm. Because... This board game from 1958 by Milton Bradley was based on the television show Alfred Hitchcock Presents. The four game piece characters are each humorous allusions to detectives of popular media fiction. Sergeant Monday, Dick Crazy, Charlie Clam, and Shylock Bones. Hmm. I have no idea. So let's just say whodunit. Whodunit is incorrect. Adam, you think you know this one? I, I think I do, I, and I liked your clue. Uh, which was because, uh, and then you kept going on, um, and only because I've done enough research, and we keep seeming to get 50s and 60s boards and games questions <laughs> up, like I have to research them all the time. I think this was a game called Why. It is called Why. I think because would have been a great clue if I'd ever heard of a game called Why. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I was like, why did he lead with because? And then it didn't even click. Uh, that's all right. No, uh, no harm, no foul. And we are back over to Asha. What category would you like? All right. Let's go music. Okay. Music from the 70s. What 1976 song, written by guitarist Buck Dharma, is about the inevitability of death and the foolishness of being afraid of it, and was written when Dharma was thinking about what would happen if he died at a young age? Lyrics such as, Romeo and Juliet are together in eternity, have led many listeners to interpret the song to be about a murder-suicide pact. But Dharma says the song is about eternal love. Hmm. I don't know. Don't Fear the Reaper. Don't Fear the Reaper is correct. Well done. Oh, awesome. I was like, I didn't remember anything about Romeo and Juliet in that song, but... Yep, there's a, there's a line in a verse. Excellent. All right. Well, back to Rowan. I think I will take food. All right. And your decade is the 90s. And we have a question from Janelle Alvstead Matt. Thank you, Janelle. Nabisco introduced this candy, a milkier version of their best-selling hard candy, in 1996. Most flavors were fruit-inspired, and all were lacking the signature hole. Hard candy signature hole milkier version. Could you repeat the question, please? Mm-hmm. Nabisco introduced this candy, a milkier version of their best-selling hard candy, in 1996. Most flavors were fruit-inspired, and all were lacking the signature hole. I can only think of one hard candy with a hole, but that's not getting me closer to a milkier version of it. Cream savers? Cream savers is correct i don't yeah. know where i got that one from nice. <laughs> they, it's uh, they, you. It is, they're delicious i remember i had the uh the strawberries and cream version was my favorite I, that, that was my favorite too yeah all right good pull and we are over to asha left we've got movies sports news and politics fashion and literature 
Um, let's go music. I'm sorry. Let's go movies. Sorry. All right. And it's movies from the 60s. The original title for what 1961 Masaka Kobayashi Kobayaki film about a ronin samurai asking a feudal lord to commit ritual suicide was called seppuku. Seven samurai? Seven samurai is incorrect. Rowan, can you steal? I'm not sure if I can. Could you repeat the question, please? Sure. The original title for what 1961 Masaki Kobayaki film about a ronin samurai asking a feudal lord to commit ritual suicide was called seppuku. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've heard of this. Um, this is about movies and Ronin. So, you know, if this were an OQL match, I would just be like, pass to Addy. But this is not an OQL <laughs> match. My OQL match does not happen for another seven hours or so. So I am on my own here. And Harakiri. Harakiri is correct. Really? Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. I was Good like, job. what's a synonym for seppuku? I'm just going to guess that because I got nothing else. <laughs> yep. Everywhere else it was called seppuku. In the U.S. it was called Harry Carey. I don't know why. they Be- just Nice. Because of the baseball announcer? <laughs> no. That guy? No. No, not because no. of him. Uh, that was lame. All oh, right. Okay. Rowan, you got the steal, and now you get to pick your next category. I will go with news and politics. All right. News and politics from the 70s. In 1975, Elizabeth Domitian, I can spell that for you if you need to, became the first and currently only woman to become prime minister of what landlocked sub-Saharan African nation. Could you spell her name, please? Sure. Um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. You can agree on that. (laughs) Uh, D-O-M-I-T-I-E-N. Domitian. Domitian, Domitian. I'm not quite sure. Landlocked Southern African country. Or landlocked Sub-Saharan African country, you said. Yeah, I'm a little better with my current leaders and a lot worse with these older leaders from, say, the 70s. So this is going to be throw a dart and hope that the country that it land that it lands on is in fact landlocked which given that i can't see maps in my head is you know i'm probably going to guess something that has like 950 bajillion miles of coastline um female prime minister sub-saharan african country Oh dear. Let's go with Zambia. <laughs> Zambia is incorrect. Asha, can you steal? Um <clears throat> that was actually gonna be my guess. Um Botswana. Botswana is also incorrect. <laughs> uh, I, I also myself have been trying to work on my uh my African geography. I'm not particularly great at it but i'm trying to to get better uh this was the central african republic okay okay tough question there but uh, i think some some pretty good guesses i'm just glad i look i just looked at an african map and zambia is in fact landlocked so at least i got that hey (laughs) there you go uh Um, uh, asha you're selecting right yep 
Yes. Let's go sports and hope it's not a sports racing question that's not about the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see. Your decade is the 60s. In 1969, NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle demanded that what quarterback sell his interest that he owned in a bar? The quarterback refused and tearfully said goodbye to football before changing his mind six weeks later, selling the bar and returning to football. <laughs> hmm. I do not know. I'm just going to pass. All right, Rowan, can you steal? Um, probably not, but I'm going to try. Football is definitely my weakest sport, but, you know, owning a restaurant sounds something that perhaps... I. I don't know. I could see Joe Namath owning a restaurant, so I'm going to say Broadway Joe Namath. Joe Namath is correct. Nice. nice. I thought of him, but I didn't think... I thought that was not... I was pictured him more in the 70s. Than... He was kind of known as the party boy kind of quarterback, yeah. I think, so that makes sense. That's yeah. exactly why I guessed him. I had never heard of this particular incident, but I knew he played in the 60s as well, and it just sounded like something he'd do. Well done. Thank you. All right, Rowan, we got fashion and literature left. I will go with literature or literature or literature or maybe <laughs> next round I'll come up with an even weirder way to say yes. it. <laughs> all of them. Love it. Uh, you got them all in there. That's perfect. And it is the 90s. All right. And we have another question from David Abalafia. Thank you, David. What English Springer Spaniel who became a best-selling author in 1990, has been dubbed, quote, the most famous dog in White House history, end quote. Selling author in 1990, Springer Spaniel. Okay, this, what was the name of their dog? I'm thinking of other presidential pets um, that are all too late to be this dog. I know... Oh dear. What was the name of their dog? Um 1990 presidential dog had those books that were ghostwritten by ostensibly less a dog and more of <laughs> a not dog. I mean, I think mm. I think the first lady actually wrote the books if I remember correctly. I think I heard about these books a couple of weeks ago. And I cannot remember the name of the dog. Um, uh, what was this dog's name? Yeah, I'm thinking of so many White House pets that are, I can pin to presidents that are not this operative president. Um, nope, that is actually another presidential pet. Um, I was about to guess a random dog name. And it's like, no, that is actually a different, extremely wrong pet. Okay. I can also tell you that this dog was very good because all dogs are very good. That's not the answer, though. Um, uh, let's say Peppy. <laughs> it's not Peppy, but I have to say something. <laughs> it is not Peppy. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> uh, Asha, can you steal? The first thing that came to my mind given the year was socks, but that's the cat. I think the Clinton's dog's name was Buddy, so that's what I'm going to go with. Buddy 
is incorrect, especially because Clinton oh, didn't I become thought president of Buddy like too, but I knew that was Clinton. I know. I was, I did, as soon as I said it, I was like, "That's too early." And like, yeah. this is George and Barbara Bush's dog, but I can't remember their dog's yes. name. Oh, Millie! It is Millie. Oh, dang it! Yep, that was called Millie's book, as dictated to Barbara Bush. I really thought of Millie too. I really should have thought of Millie just because I like an. One of my friends used to have a dog named Millie who was very cute, but <laughs> I did. I, yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. That was also the, you know, the first set of Bush's presidential dog. All right. Well, that leaves Asha with fashion. It does. All right. Let's do it. And your decade will be the 2000s. What underwear maker focusing on shaping briefs and leggings was founded in Atlanta, Georgia in 2000 by Sarah Blakely? Spanks. Spanks is correct. Yay! <laughs> All right, that is the end of round one. Adam, what is our score? All right, we've got a nice and tight one here. Rowan is currently in the lead with 40, but not by much because Asha has 30. All right. Well, since uh, Rowan picked in round one, Asha, that means you're going to pick for Rowan to start off round two. What category you want to give All them? Right. Well, they did not leave me much space because they know everything, it seems. Um, <laughs> they didn't know Millie <laughs> or why. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is But I think given enough time, we would have figured them both out. Let's go literature. All right. Literature coming at you in the 60s. All right. And we have another question from David Abalafia. David. Science fiction writer Harry Harrison's 1966 novel, Make Room, Make Room, served as the basis for what 1973 thriller that starred Charlton Heston? Soylent Green is people. This is Soylent Green. <laughs> Soylent Green is correct. Thank you for asking something that I had in my flashcard deck. I had that at Harry Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you got to pick for Asha. I will pick movies. Okay. Movies for Asha. And it's the 70s. All right. And we have another question from Janelle. Thank you, Janelle. The popularity of this 1974 movie starring Dan Haggerty as the titular character resulted in a subsequent TV series of the same name. The show was loosely based on a real 19th century California mountaineer and his pet bear. Hmm. Um. BJ and the bear? BJ and the bear is incorrect. Oh. Rowan, can you steal? Probably not because none of this sounds familiar. And I gave Asha movies specifically because I basically don't watch movies. So I very much did not want the movie question. And there's not a nice little, oh, guess a synonym for seppuku like there was in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> and now all my brain is going, it's like, Ranger Joe, Ranger Joe, here's the greatest guy I know, Ranger Joe. But that's not a bear, that's a woodchuck. No. <laughs> and that was mm -hmm. from Full House. <laughs> okay. Oh, um... All right, just just in honor of my favorite bear, I'm going to guess 747 because Fat Bear Week. It's a thing. It's going on right now, and mm -hmm. it rules. <laughs> 747 
is incorrect. Uh, I'm going to think you all have heard of this. This is The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. Oh, I think I've maybe heard of it in passing. Yeah. I also would have just accepted Grizzly Adams. Uh, All right. And I think we are back to Asha picking. Mm -hmm. All right. Let us go. Mm, music. Okay, a little music. And the decade is the 60s. And we have another question from Janelle. Thank you, Janelle. Oh, well. It's the J- Janelle and David show. Yep. <laughs> Beginning in 1965, Bob Dylan first started playing this instrument on tour, resulting in divisive crowds with detractors calling him a sellout. The only instrument that I can think of that Bob Dylan played and people lost their ever-loving marbles about, um, particularly at the Newport Folk Festival, is the electric guitar. So I'm going to say the electric guitar. The electric guitar is correct. Thank you for drawing the 60s. I grew up with a lot of 60s music in the house. So. Uh. People are weird. Oh, how dare you sell out, use electronic music. <laughs> how dare you make it easier for people to hear you play? <laughs> yeah. I know, right? That's horrible. It's not like people go to concerts mm-hmm. to actually hear the music or anything. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Rowan, what do you want to give back to Asha? I will give Asha TV. Okay. And that decade is the 80s. Joe... Paul Niazek, Blair Warner, Natalie Green, and Dorothy Tootie Ramsey were the names of the four main characters in what 80s sitcom? Well, if you take the good and you take the bad, there you have the facts of life. <laughs> the facts of life is correct. There you go. The facts of life. Good song. All Indeed. right, Asha. Let's go fashion. All right. And fashion will be... The 70s. In the early 1970s, what fashion magazine proclaimed, quote, there are no rules in the fashion game now, end quote, due to the overproduction flooding the market with cheap synthetic clothing? Probably Madonna's favorite. Well, given that it's, you know, making... Making sweeping claims about the state of fashion with a side of a Madonna clue, I'm going to guess Vogue. Vogue is correct. All right. Rowan, we have toys and games, sports, news and politics, slang and food left. How about some Sporks Ball? Sporks Ball. And it is the 70s. A lot of 60s and 70s going on. And another question from David. In the 1976 World Series... While playing for what Midwest team did Dan Dryson become the first National League player to bat as a designated hitter? What was the year again? I'm sorry. 1976. So things that would be helpful, because David gave lots of lovely cool clues, would be if I knew the difference between the National League and the American League, which I do not. But I can guess a Midwest team. I'm going to go with the team closest to me and say the Reds. The Cincinnati Reds is correct. Wow. Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Um, because my brother is 11 years older than me, and he was a Reds fan, I guess some stuff sticks. I knew they were good in the 70s and the 80s a little. So. Uh, all right, Asha, what do you want to give to Rowan? Um, let's go toys and games, I guess. Okay, little toys and games for Rowan. And it's the 60s. Another, another More old, old toys. Right. <laughs> and it's another question from David Abalafia. Thank you, David. What annual sporting event got its name from a toy made of Zek- Zektron, the first produced by Whammo in the mid-60s? Could you repeat that, please? Yes. What annual sporting event got its name from a toy made of Zektron, the first produced by Whammo in the mid-60s. Or sorry, first produced by Whammo in the mid-60s. Sporting event, toy made of Zektron. If I knew what Zektron was. Sporting event named after a toy. Okay. You give toys a... These are all too early. Okay. The annual sporting event. I know this is an audio medium, but, you know, my mind is just coming up blank here with possible sporting events. Zektron should be a clue. You know, sounds very space (laughs) (laughs) and just not coming up with anything that is cromulent. Um, I keep thinking of the classic whammos, but those are ancient and classic old old stuff that was not the 60s um get your brain out of the 40s and 50s rowan zektron that's just such a weird name for a substance like make it sound like it's spacey and people will flock to the stores and buy it i guess annual sporting event named after a toy oh what sport would that be B, um, hmm, I am, I am drawing so many blanks here. You wrote me a stumper here, David. Oh dear, this is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's some sort of character from the 60s named, like, a toy from the 60s named Iron Man. I'll say the Iron Man triathlon. The Iron Man is incorrect. Asha, can you steal? Can you spell Zectron for me, please? Z-E-C-T-R-O-N. That is not what I was hoping the spelling would be. Um, I have no idea. The only thing that is coming to my mind are the X Games, so I'm just going to go with that. Uh, The X Games is also incorrect. So the name of the toy was the Whammo Super Ball with Zektron, and someone in the NFL decided that it sounded good if you changed it to Super Bowl. Oh. It's as dumb as that. I had no idea that's why the Super Bowl. Neither did I. I. I just assumed it was called the Super Bowl because it's like, oh, we have all these college football bowls, but ours is, ours is the Naples Ultra Bowls. Ours is the Super Bowl. <laughs> a- apparently, I-, I did read up about it. Apparently, he kind of suggested it as like a lark, and then they went with it. <laughs> so, oh, wow. oh, that's funny. 
that's okay. No problem there. Where am I? Here I am. Uh, all right, where are we at? Uh, Rowan is picking for Asha. All right. I will pick news and politics. All right, news and politics, and it's the 50s. In 1955, Jonas Salk invented what vaccine, which was given to more than 7 million American students? Polio? Polio is correct. Cool. All right, Asha, looks like we just have slang and food left. Um, let's go slang. All right, slang for Rowan, so you have food for yourself. And for Rowan, it will be the 50s. Though this term can refer to any place of residence today, it had unsavory connotations in the mid-20th century. A 1950s beatnik may have used the term when referring to a place to crash or a room to use drugs. All right, I've got a couple of old slang for places, but the one that really kind of sounds beatnicky, crashy, even place to use drugs. I'm going to say pad. Pad is correct. All right. And that leaves food for Asha. It does. And that decade will be the 60s. All right. And we've got another question from Janelle. Thank you, Janelle. Kids love this finger food that was invented by Robert Baker of Cornell University. Baker first published his recipe in 1963. 17 years before they became a mainstay of fast food. Sorry, can you repeat that for me, please? Mm-hmm. Kids love this finger food that was invented by Robert Baker of Cornell University. Baker first published his recipe in 1963, 17 years before they became mainstay of fast food. <laughs> fast food that would need a recipe. I don't know, chicken nuggets? Chicken nuggets. Is they correct. are definitely chicken nuggies. <laughs> chicken nuggies. <yep. laughs> Wouldn't think you'd need a recipe for chicken nuggets, but I... <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, Cut your like, pe- chicken pizza smaller. I've read se- I've read several <laughs> yeah. things about just you know chicken nuggets being like this food science phenomenon. That's crazy. You gotta add just enough chicken beak <laughs> to make sure that they're perfectly textured and delicious. To bind it together. Yes, exactly. Please don't hey, turn you know me what? into a pterodactyl I... nuggie. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, fun little thing to do. Sometimes I will just go get uh, uh, chicken nuggets from McDonald's, and I will get Hawaiian rolls, and I'll make little chicken nugget sliders. Oh, that sounds so good. It really does, not I'm like, hmm. But put whatever toppings you want on it. All right, that is the end of round two. Adam, what is our score going into the final round? Well, we have kept our very tight game and just the slight edge. Rowan has 80. Asha has 70. Very close one. All right. Well, Rowan, since you were in the lead, you get to pick a category first to go into the final round. Which category would you like? I will go with slang. Okay. And that decade is the 60s. All right. And Asha. Um, let's do TV. Okay. And that decade will be the 50s. More old con. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. So based on 60s slang and 50s television, go ahead and write down your bids. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Let's start off with 60s slang. A term straight out of a dictionary of hippie slang Something defined as this 
is something that weighs on you emotionally, something sad, or something philosophically complex? And your 50s TV question. In 1952, what Canadian-born American radio and television personality moved his, quote, house party from radio to TV where it remained for another 17 years? While our contestants are thinking about their answers, we want all of you guys out there, go check out bfopnetwork.com. That's bfopnetwork.com for all your nostalgic podcasting needs. I'm as locked in as I'm going to be. I've gotten what I'm going to as well, so I think I'm locked in. (laughs) All right. Well, let's find out what you put. Asha, since you were behind, what were your answers to the questions? Um, I think I'm too early for this slang, but I said heavy. And then I said Carl Reiner for the second one. All right. And Rowan? For the hippie slang, I guess load, like take a load off. And then for the radio TV personality house party, I don't really know if this person was much of a TV personality, but when I think old radio like that, I think Alan Freed. So I said Alan Freed. All right. Let's find out what the answers were for 60 slang. The term for something that weighs on you emotionally was heavy. And in TV, the 1952 Canadian-born American radio television personality moved his house party was Art Art Linkletter. Mm. Art Art Linkletter. I talked myself off heavy. Art Linkletter did not run in my head at all. I that was not (laughs) on my list. Like he's the guy from Kids Say the Darndest Things. Is that who he is? Like the old version. Think so. I think so. But he had he had, he had a show called Art Linkletter's House Party that was on for like yeah. almost 20 years. Uh, all right. Well, unfortunately, nobody's going to be uh, getting their bid. So let's find out what happened here. Asha, how much did you bid? 25. All right. And Rowan? Well, I always bet to cover, and it bit me this time. I bet 61. All right. All right Adam, mathematize us up and let us know what our final score is. All right, with uh, some proper wagering, with a final score of 45 to 19, Asha Usef is the winner of the day. Congratulations, Asha. Thank you. Good game. Good game. All right. That was a very good game. That was a very good game. Very high scoring game, actually. We only had a few missed questions, four four or five, which is actually very good. Yeah. all right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, Asha, since you were the winner, I'll let you have last word. So, Rowan, here's your time for anything you'd like to advocate for or whatever. All right. Like I always like to talk about, if you are, if you or a friend are looking to have a horse for yourself or for your family, think about off-track thoroughbreds. Um, horses live a lot longer than they can spend racing at the track, but there are still a lot of things they can do from you know sport performance disciplines, things like dressage and eventing to riding trails and being great family horses. Just think about off-track thoroughbreds. Um, look at your local Cantor chapter. I volunteer for Cantor Chicago, which is the local Cantor chapter here that works out of Hawthorne. Um, You may have a chapter near you or another thoroughbred retirement organization. Get to know thoroughbreds because they are great horses and there's so much they can do after the track, especially because they've been used to being trained by humans and working with humans since literally the day they've been born. And Asha? 
one thing I um, used to say, I haven't done it this year with my kids, but one thing I usually ask them on Fridays is, what's one thing you learned this week and what's one thing you've done nice for somebody else? So that's what I challenge everybody to think about. Something that you learned this week and something nice you did for someone else. And if you can't think of anything, go out and find something to do and learn. All right. Well, thank you to Rowan. Thank you, Asha. That's Adam and I'm John. This was another episode of Throwback Trivia Takedown. Thank you for listening to Throwback Trivia Takedown. If you want to support the podcast or if you'd like to be a contestant, go to patreon.com forward slash throwback trivia takedown and pick a tier that's right for you. If you want to submit questions, you can email them to throwbacktriviatakedown at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time when two new contestants go head-to-head in nostalgic knowledge on Throwback Trivia Takedown. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.